Chapter 1 Lord, do you realize I have a deadline? I almost ignored the instruction to write this book. As the impressions were delivered in my heart, I argued about how unqualified I was to write it. You may remember the story of Moses in the burning bush. Here was a fugitive, wanderer, murderer, who had fled after killing someone. He was a high flyer who used to live in the Pharaoh's palace. And now he is a shepherd working on a farm so far away, and he could not speak well. He argued about his speech when God spoke to him through the bush that he had to return to speak to Pharaoh about releasing the Israelites. Can you imagine how unqualified he would have felt for the job? Then God said he should tell the king, I am that I am, sent him to ask for the release of the slave. Anyway, the more I argued about writing, the more people would ask me this same question. The conformity signs to write this book came in the form of comments I heard around me, those directed at me, posters and pictures that ask a similar question. I finally quit ignoring the instruction and got some peace with taking on the project. I discovered that the more I wrote, the more I was given material to write, as I took to typing the content. When I complained about not knowing what more to say, I was asked to recount my own experiences in the text. Here they are. I hope you get a fresh understanding of how real and present God is. Have you noticed how we live in a fast-paced and instant world? A belief in God seems to be losing its relevance. Do you also meet with people who constantly question the existence, validity, and usefulness of a belief in a supreme being? When last did you have a coffee or tea with God and took notes? Have you ever wondered if God was real or if he ever spoke? Do you wonder whether he is interested in the affairs of men? I believe God is real. He is a loving father with outstretched arms, waiting and calling out for us to come back to him. He desires us to come closer for a life-changing and purposeful relationship with him. He is talking all the time. Maybe we just need to slow down, tune in, and listen sometimes. I know there are times when it seems he's gone frightfully quiet. Even then, he's still with us. At these times, he is gently encouraging us to trust in his ever-abiding presence. In this book, I share some of my own life experience and frustrating conversations to encourage you to see and explore how real God is. On so many occasions, when he has spoken to me, my default behavior has been to dismiss his voice and warnings. The more I slowed down and stopped to listen, the more I obeyed. And the more I did, the clearer his voice seemed to me. I was facing a tough challenge that had me kneeling on the floor with my face to the ground, uttering words like, Kill me! I need your help! Please don't put me to shame! What do I need to do now? Your name is at stake! Your reputation is at stake! I have no name to protect! And a few combinations of these phrases, I had come to my wits 
end. I had exhausted all angles of moving forward. You need to know how I got here. I had received some information, or more like instructions, in a dream. It was revealed to me that I was going to create a board game with a whitish background color on its box cover. A subsequent dream, more like a conversation, suggested I add another die to the current game prototype at that time. This die had to have a connection with maths to encourage children playing the game to fall in love with maths again. I had received support from two banking groups, a design agency, and some other public bodies. We had planned a launch date for the board game, but there was no physical game in sight. In those days, I slept little. I talked with God, but it seemed he had gone quiet at this crucial time. I threw my hands up in a helpless gesture. Lord, I do not know what to do. I complained. We had two weeks to the game launch date, and excitement had been building. Facing pressure from the partner planners about the absence of a physical game, I turned to God in prayer. I tried everything I knew back then, but to no avail. God was silent. I started playing my Bible audio tapes all night. One night, it must have been around 3 or 4 a.m., I woke up to a very loud repetition of a Bible verse which played these words. I will not put you to shame. It felt like the room walls were involved in this utterance and booming narration. The words were so loud and repetitive. There was no mistake. God was with me, assuring me of his presence. I tumbled back into my pillow and got to sleep again. It was a few days again I had been introduced to a game manufacturer a while back who, after conversation, jeered that I did not have a proper graphic for a board game cover. He kept coming to mind at this difficult time, and I would push the thought of contacting him away and further from my mind. One day, I gave in to calling him and was shocked at his kindness and responsiveness. He promised to provide a quote for me in a couple of days. What he had not shared was that he was due to go on holidays. So when I called a few days later, I was informed that he had gone on a holiday. My heart sank. Who does that in the middle of crisis? Well, his staff said there was not much they could do until after a week, but suggested I email him anyway. I did, and waited, and hoped. In my next fit of desperation, I got down on my knees and said, Lord, do you not realize I have a deadline? Straight back, I was asked the words to this effect. Who set time? Who created time or something to indicate that he, God, held the time in his hands? I guess that was an answer, but not the type I was expecting. I think maybe if I was told by such and such date you would get the games and such and such would happen, it would have been easier to bear. He still kept seeking me. At that time, there were well-meaning friends who made crazy suggestions as to what I should do. I was reflecting on the what-ifs of the situation and how I would bear the shame and embarrassment if I canceled the event, called the whole thing off when a text landed on my phone 
from someone I would not call a close friend. Their message was to the effect that if I was facing a battle and thinking of quitting, I would never know what would have happened if I remained in faith to see the situation through. And they added, Do not give up. How did they know what I was facing? I read the message again in shock. I had to sit down for a second to take it all in. It was time for me to get back on the horse and carry on believing and planning the game launch event. Well, it did eventually happen when the sponsors, mentors, all gave up and said it would not go ahead. God made a way. A printer had to work the whole weekend making the games, and I ended up traveling by train outside London to the factory and go collect them. Do you see God's faithfulness? I declared to the host school without thinking about it that I would get the games one week before the launch day, and that's exactly what happened. God spoke powerfully to me through this chain of events to remind me of his ever-abiding presence and awareness of our struggles. Chapter 2 Does God Laugh? For those who have forgotten how good it is to laugh, have you wondered like me if God has a sense of humor? Well, he made you and me right in his image and likeness, and we have his nature in Jesus. So yes, possibly he does. Imagine how much pleasure we get from a good joke or laugh and think of its many physiological, scientific benefits. We release endorphins from laughing, and they make us feel good. Did you hear there are now ministers of happiness, laughter clubs, and forums springing up all over the place? Also, sell out tickets at comedy clubs and more. So humor and laughter are beneficial to the body system. I'm excited to also share that there are humorous occurrences of God's nature recorded in Scripture. Now there was a man called Adam who was given a job description. Replenish and dominate the earth, name the animals and others. He had to be put to sleep to distract his helper, personal assistant, and wife. Why would anyone be put to sleep? For surgery? To knock them out? Stop arguments? Or maybe the pain of extracting an already existent wife would necessitate having him in a sleepy state. Ha <laughs> ha! Did God want to perform a procedure that this man would resist? Maybe one day it will be clearer. I remember saying, Daddy, it's funny you had to put the man to sleep to position him for delivery of his partner, helper. What does that have to say about the role of the woman? Next up, for me, was the fact that the sin of the first couple got God into a designer mode. They had sewed fig leaves to cover up their revealed nakedness, so Daddy stepped into the picture. Their designs had not met the exact specifications. They were leaves and would dry and shrivel, not lasting long. So Daddy again decided to demonstrate his loving compassion for this couple. He shows a better way to design clothes using animal skins, resulting in shedding blood. Very significant. Now picture the couple in the latest fried, dried skins in the form of bra and panties. Priceless. Anyhow, 
I am even more amused when I realize that Daddy calls an urgent meeting as if in fear of what collaborating men would do at the initiation of the Tower of Babel project. They see a strong group of men, highly organized, with a single goal of building a tower to the heavens. It appears that Daddy and the team panic and plan to intervene in the most unexpected, unprecedented way. They change the languages with which these men communicate so that it's difficult for them to understand one another. So imagine the men report for building work the next day and one says, What do we do next? The other replies, Mercy! Utter confusion! Imagine one man waves goodbye and the other is approaching him with his fist as if he's been offended because his mate was rude. Extreme measures to switch languages. Daddy, I say that I believe is how the world developed different languages. Subsequently, the equivalent of a census was carried out and the people who spoke the same languages moved away, but together. Next up for me, Daddy chooses to get a Hebrew slave and a foreigner's baby, Moses, into the royal's palace. This happened at a time of the release and implementation of a harshly severe policies that see boys less than two years of age killed somewhat brutally by the soldiers. Even midwifery policies were instructed to kill new babies at birth. How do you get a baby who is supposed to have been killed into the same building of establishment that tried to eliminate him? And he gets to learn the strategies of the enemy? Or how does a spy have exclusive, no-holds-barred access to information about their enemy with the latter's sponsorship and endorsement? It happened like this. A member of the royal family came to a unique position of noticing an abandoned pram. On edging closer, she found a beautiful baby boy crying and fell in love with him. The same race or culture of the boy that would have been killed. Wow! She reclaims the baby, takes advice from an onlooking girl who just happened to be his sister. The latter offered information about suitable nannies. I'll agree, the baby was put back in paid care of his mum, but groomed in the royal household amid enemy secrets. How humorous of my daddy. Did you think that maybe my daddy blinded their eyes and blocked their ears so they could not notice that this boy was not one of theirs and stopped their ears from noticing the foreign accent of his baby sister? Another story punctuated with instances of prevaricating or playing politics surrounds the visit of one man to secretly appoint a king. This came at a time when there was a living and sitting king. How incredibly dangerous that was in those times. So there's a king called Saul who was misbehaving. Nothing new in today's world. He received specific instructions to carry out a royal engagement or assignment, which was warlike in nature. He failed to follow procedure or protocol and displeased Daddy, so setting him up for impeachment. He did not seem to show remorse, but was rather more concerned about how the press and media groups portrayed him. Amazing. Credulous. Anyway, there was a divine order. Instruction came to remove him and have him replaced. Only the inauguration ceremony of his replacement 
had to be performed in secret. The man who was to perform the ceremony feared for his life, so he was instructed to say he had come on a special visit to the family of the successor. A visit in disguise, yes. Who else would have masterminded a near M15 operation like that if not Daddy? So you see, there's nothing new under the sun. Again, there was a king who was planning to defeat a special group of people, so marshaled his agents to strategize a master plan. Guess what? My daddy had other plans because practically every strategy they had carefully laid out to implement against the Israelites was leaked. So you think recent press gates and leaks are a new thing? Think again. Daddy has some examples in his book, The Bible. Anyway, back to the story. After several leaked pieces of information, an audit trial linked these gross errors to a particular man who could foretell the future. Alas, they said of him, The man hears everything we say, even in the bedroom, and subsequently leaks it to their enemy. There are still many other examples, but another one which beats Bitcoin's fame was the fish coin. You heard right. While people use Bitcoin as a form of earning income through the digital financial markets, my daddy uses a fish coin to generate income. Get your head around that one if you can. Some taxes for a particularly troublesome and loudmouthed friend of the investor in question was overdue. To avoid what we would in modern world call bailiffs or debt collector visits, the generous investor friend asked the debtor to go to the sea. The sea turned out to be the place to pick up a coin from the mouth of the first member of the Pieces family he pulled out of the water. Such accuracy and precision in determining market movement is far more sophisticated than technical financial analysis. The debtor obeyed as instructed and retrieved a coin from a fish's mouth to pay off his debts and more. What do you think now? 